Okay, if you guys are part of the book club inside the Manifest It Now app, you know that we are big Denise Duffield Thomas fans. We read Get Rich Lucky Bitch, and it was a game changer for everyone in the book club around our money mindset, and it was just such a good book to read. And now this month we're reading Chillpreneur, and one of the things I wanted to manifest this year was interviewing Denise for the podcast. And I knew it was a long shot. I know that she's really busy and doesn't always um, accept interviews, but I was able to get her on, and I'm so excited. She is absolutely amazing, totally down to earth, and gave so many tips in this interview. So I know that you're absolutely going to love her. And if you're not yet in the book club, you need to get on there now. We meet every week on Thursday nights on Zoom, and we talk about all of the things that we're doing to manifest our dream life, which is overcoming blocks and limiting beliefs, shifting our money mindset, creating our goals, and it's just really powerful to surround yourself with other people that are high vibe and goal oriented, and it's just amazing to see how far you can go when you have that additional support. So you just go to the Manifest It Now app and it's in the book club section. And when you get the premium app, not only do you get the book club, but you get all of the courses, all of the subliminals, full access to the inner tribe, which has weekly coaching calls, monthly workbooks, monthly exclusive guest interviews. So you need to sign up for that. It is so worth it if you're trying to manifest a life you don't need a vacation from. All right, now let's head into the interview. So Denise Duffield Thomas is the money mentor for a new wave of online entrepreneurs who want to make money and change the world. She helps entrepreneurs like you charge premium prices, release the fear of money, and create first-class lives. Her books, Lucky Bitch, Get Rich Lucky Bitch, and the newest, Chill and Prosper, give a fresh and funny roadmap to living a life of abundance without burnout. Her money bootcamp has helped over 8,500 students from all around the world. She's a lazy introvert, a Hay House author, and an unbusy mother of three. She owns a rose farm and lives by the beach in sunny Australia. You can find her on Instagram at DeniseDT, or you can go to her website at DeniseDT.com, and I will link everything in the show notes. So without further ado, here is Denise Duffield-Thomas. So everyone, today I have one of the most special guests in the world, Denise Duffield-Thomas. She is an author of two of the books that we actually read in the book club, um, Get Rich, Lucky Bitch, and Chillpreneur. And you have another book coming out. Denise, thank you so much for coming on today. Oh my gosh, Stephanie, thank you so much for having me. And what a how nice to hear that you've been sharing my books with your audience. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a game changer for us, for sure. Um, I think that Get Rich Lucky Bitch was kind of the book that um, really made an impact and sort of transformed everyone in the book club. We all had some really big um, beliefs come up that we didn't even know we had. I mean, I just love the way you dive into that and kind of share how we're brought up to... um, think certain things, even based off of movies and TV shows that we watched growing up, which was a huge eye-opener for me um, and really helped me recognize just so many things that I didn't even know were holding me back until I read that book. So it was great. 
Um, before we dive into all that though, do you want to just kind of give a little overview on how you became an author, how you got into this whole, um, business of helping women shift? Well, I would say if you went back and, and knew me as a child, you wouldn't be surprised because I always wanted to write and I always was the kid who wanted to help people my mum bought me a typewriter for my ninth birthday, uh, very similar to this typewriter, actually. That um, is so cute. Isn't it? The cutest. And I, um, I used it to write newsletters and little things. And I grew up watching Oprah. So I was the kid who was teaching that kind of stuff to my friends and we lived in this rental one time that had a blackboard in it very strange house but it had a blackboard and I remember saying to my brother and my cousin saying well you guys are going to sit down and I'm going to give you a lecture kind of thing and they were they were like yeah let's play schools and they were playing the naughty kids I was like no seriously guys I like I have handouts and stuff. <laughs> I was just very serious about it but I think I've always been that person who just I just want to share and and help people that doesn't mean it was a really easy transition for me you know at school I always found those areas where I could be on the yearbook committee or do the prom committee or whatever and then at university I was president of my business club and but then after that I was like that's not a job you know like how do you make that into a job um, and so I thought, well, I don't want to be on TV. I don't want to go into radio or media because I was like, oh, well, Oprah's a job, but that's Oprah. And so I really struggled to try and find how I could actually do anything with that, you know, ability of mine or, or the joy of mine to be able to share and, and help people. And so it wasn't until I was 30 that I became a coach, a life coach. And then I transitioned to being a business coach. And then I transitioned to kind of talking about money. But I self-published my first book that year that I became a coach. Um, and I called it Lucky Bitch. And I just, you know, just decided to choose myself. And, um, and that book's still in publication today. It's, it was bought by my publisher. And people still contact me about that book every single day. And then same with Get Rich Lucky Bitch. The first version of that came out in 2012. Um, so it's 10 year anniversary and I self-published it as well. And so I think I've always just kind of gone, how can I help people and what's the next step? And a lot of trial and error still along the way. But now I've got my money boot camp has just celebrated its 10 year anniversary. We've had eight and a half thousand students through that online course Wow. And I think what's really fun is what you were saying about, you know, you guys talking about those money blocks that have come up. I still love finding those little nuances for us to talk about because we can learn something from anything. And I'll give you a quick example. In my money bootcamp, we choose something to talk about every month. And one month we're like, let's talk about weddings and how that impacts our money mindset. The story of weddings being chosen, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Um, expectations around money and divorce and things like that. You can learn something from anything because we all have our own unique stories, but we have to look at how that impacts us today, how this is impacting your business or your creativity or um, your ability to even send out invoices could be impacted by your parents telling you it's impolite to talk about money 
50 years ago. Right. You know? So yeah, it's just a, a place of curiosity for money is, is probably where I started anything. And then that's how I continue today is still from a place of curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we were just talking about this. We actually had the book club right before this interview, which was perfect. And I was telling them how in Showpreneur, one of the journal prompts that you had was what keeps you awake at 3am? And, you know, as odd as it is, I mean, I journal all the time, but I I've never been asked that question. And I thought, well, I don't know, let me think about this. And it really has been in the back of my mind. And one of the beliefs that I didn't even realize I had until I did that journal prompt was that I'm always worried that like, what if it all goes away? What if next month there's no money? And even though there's evidence of, you know, my business continually increasing and improving and things getting better and better, there's always that fear in the back of my mind. Like, well, what if this is the best it's ever going to be? And then it, it goes downhill. And I think that's, that's such a common thing, especially for entrepreneurs like me that came from the corporate world. You came from getting a steady paycheck every two weeks to every month is different. And you're now responsible for bringing in the, you know, 100% of the income. Um, has that ever come up for you or, or what advice do you have around overcoming that belief? Yeah, oh yes, absolutely. I mean, I did dabble in the corporate world. I always felt like I was um, didn't belong there, to be honest. But I see a lot of people struggle, particularly with pricing from the corporate world, because when you work for someone else, I mean, they set the prices usually, or they set your day rate, or they set your consulting rate, whatever. And you don't really have to put a lot of personal thought into that. You don't take it personally. And then suddenly you work for yourself and it feels like you, you are putting a price on your worth as a human being. And almost you're putting a value on your expertise that can kind of make you feel like you're too big for your boots or it's just, it's not impersonal like it is in the corporate space. And then you have to sell yourself. You have to tell people about what you do. And of course, then you don't have the big infrastructure behind you. So if you're starting out, you are customer service, you are IT support, you are marketing, you are, you are everything. And um, it, it's, it's tricky to find your way through that, especially if you're kind of a type A kind of person, you just, I'll just do it all myself. Mm -hmm. And then you get burnt out um, or, wow, I have to set boundaries with people. This is awkward. And um, there's a lot, there's a lot. And it, all of our mindset stuff comes up, all of our fears and imposter syndrome. And as you said, it's not predictable. So then it brings up your scarcity and survival fears. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot to deal with. You know, it's a lot. And then, and then the visibility, you have to market yourself. You have right. to show up online and you have to deal with all of that. So um, it's, it's not easy being an entrepreneur, but I think my philosophy is always your desires just have to be a little bit bigger than your fear, just a couple of times a day so you can do the work. And I think you have to really connect to that desire of why you want to be in business. Is it to have freedom? Or is it to be able to have more abundance and to be able to do things that a salary wouldn't allow you to do, you know, either the freedom, but also the, the money of that. And I think we sometimes feel like we have to be perfect 24 seven to be able to yeah. overcome those things. You don't, it's just a, a few tiny moments in the day is, is enough. 
Well, and I love that you bring that whole topic up about fear and how your desire needs to be just a little bit greater than your fear. Because I think about that all the time. And I think, you know, um, sometimes when I'm talking with clients or I'm talking with people in the book club and we're talking about these fears that come up in trying to manifest your dreams, trying to manifest your business, um, you know, I explained that starting a business is scary. Putting yourself out there is scary. But for me, what's scarier is being stuck in a job where I'm miserable for the rest of my life. And, you know, and that's where I was. And, and you had mentioned you felt like you never fit into the corporate world. And that's exactly how I felt. And in reading Chillpreneur, I'm like, okay, she gets me. Like, this is this is my style, you know? And um, I think being in the corporate world for 12 years, it, there was always this um, belief in the back of my mind, like, well, am I just lazy? Am I just not cut out for this? And it was none of that. It, it, I just wasn't aligned with my purpose. So anyhow, do, can you explain a little bit about like what exactly is a chillpreneur and that whole lifestyle and mindset? Because I absolutely love it. <laughs> sure. So being a chillpreneur is not working in a hammock. That's one depiction of it. Being a chillpreneur is finding the path of least resistance for yourself. And that is designing the business model that works the best for your personality, doing marketing that feels good for you, having prices that feel win-win for you and your client, and making things as easy and as stress-free as possible. It doesn't mean you're not going to work. It doesn't mean it's magically going to manifest for you. You know, I say in the marketing section that marketing is manifesting clients, um, but it's finding the ease. And I think there's a massive mindset shift we have to make in this. One, if you've never been allowed to choose, I find this can be really hard for some women. They've always been told what they can have, told here are the options here is what you're allowed to have on the menu. Or they go into a dress store and they look at the price before they even look at, really truly look at the outfit to see if they'd like it. So they don't even know what they like because they've never even had that opportunity to choose. And once you realize you can design everything, your brain will tell you, no, but there is a way that, you know, all my competitors are doing this way, all my industry it has to be done this way. And I think what's so important, and so, and also just to let your um, listeners know too, so my new book, Chill and Prosper, is an updated version of Chillpreneur. And I'll tell you why that happened in a bit. But we had to do that because post-pandemic, the world was different. And even more so, we were, we were shown that jobs and professions that had to be a certain way, all of that went out the window. And yes. so we can see now that you can, but you still have to give yourself permission to say, how would I like it? Instead of the customer is always right or people want it this way, because otherwise there's going to be no joy and longevity for you. And I see people quit their businesses and go back to the corporate world because it feels easier because you have to overcome all of that stuff. Of, I'm allowed to choose. I don't even know who I am. What do I want? What am I allowed to have? And it just becomes right. too hard. Um, and so I always say to people too, start with those little things of choosing. What do I like? What, when I, 
you know, and, and it can be really small and this will have a massive impact on your business. When you're at a restaurant, what do I feel like? Instead of sometimes our default decisions are what someone else has told us we should do or have. And you can, you can practice with the little things that aren't, you know, crazy. What kind of milk would I like in my tea instead of what I'm given? What, like, what style of clothing would I like? If I didn't have to look at the price tag, it doesn't mean you have to buy it, but it's just finding those little ways of going, oh, I'm allowed. And then in your business, you go, you know what? I don't want to work Fridays. Oh, I don't want to work with clients who have that particular problem. I prefer this. And it's a series of little decisions that you can make to create more ease for you. Um, and then when you have more ease, you have more energy to, to do the work and you'll naturally attract more people because you're in that space of ease. Oh, I love that. And I agree so much. I've noticed that where, you know, we always think we have to do, do, do. And I mean, I get people all the time that are asking me like, what do I have to do to manifest this? What action do I have to take to manifest that? And while taking action is an important component, I think it's more about a state of being. And I've noticed when I replenish myself, when I go on vacation or I take time to just have fun and take a break and step away, I tend to manifest more success. So it's like, I'm actually doing less work, but the results are better. And I think it's because I'm in that flow, that ease. And when you align with that, it's like things just flow better and you just naturally attract a lot of things. Work feels more fun. And it's pretty incredible how we're so programmed to think the harder I work, the more I do, the more I make. When I have found in my own life, it's the exact opposite. The more at ease I am, the more I make, the more of a state of flow I'm in, the more that flows to me. And I think you Absolutely. really explain that so well in the book. Now, I did want to bring this up because this, like, I felt like you were talking directly to me where you were talking about the fear of failure and how, you know, like, let's say you do a course launch and it flops and then you, you're like, well, I'm not good at courses. I'm just going to give up. Like I literally, that was me. Like I had course <laughs> launches and they flopped and I'm like, well, I'm just not going to do courses then I'm terrible at doing courses. And I think that's so common. I think people can give up at the first sign of failure and I'm sure, I think you even mentioned in your business how like it wasn't perfect the first few times you launched, you know, it's a, it's a process and you have to get comfortable with that fear of failure if you're going to move forward, right? It is, but it's also, there's the practicality of knowing your numbers, mm -hmm. right? Someone told me that really early on that 1% of people will buy. And so I see people who make up stories about their launches that are not grounded in reality, right? I'm a Virgo. I love woo-woo, but I'm very practical. Mm -hmm. So people will say to me, oh, my launch failed. I go, how many people saw your sales page? And they have no idea. So this, the practicality as well as the woo, right? And so I knew when I did my first ever course, course launch in 2009, I had one person buy and I was so excited because I went, oh my God, one person has paid me to overcome all of my resistance and all the things that go in that, you know what it's like when you're doing your, your first sales page and you lose everything and you can't, you can't do it. You have tech problems, like all this mm -hmm. stuff. And each 
time that happens, you could give up. And the fact that I got to the end, setting up my payment systems and setting up this and setting up that and doing all the stuff, I, I felt like such a success story. I could not believe that somebody paid me to do that and it felt so good. And then the thing is, it's so much easier the second time you do it. Like the first time you launch anything, isn't it just so hard? Like, oh, yes. there's so many moving pieces. <laughs> and then the second time I was like, well, I actually didn't do that business. I was like, oh, that's cool. I found a different niche now. But then I was like, well, it's so much easier to create a sales page the second time once mm-hmm. you've done it the first time. And it's so much easier to set up payment systems once you've done the first time. And now I've, I've had a, the one course for 10 years. I'm like, every time it's so much easier because your audience is getting bigger. You know, more people have seen it. The people who saw it last time, but it wasn't the right time, they'll join the next time. And so giving up when you have that first thing is like planting a seed and then just stomping on it mm-hmm. and just going you didn't flower in two seconds and you have to be so delusional that you are like, I am a success story. I cannot believe this is so cool. And I see people who go, I only had three people. I'm going to refund them. I go, don't you dare because you'll learn so much. The first time you launch is not for the the money necessarily. It's for the resistance and that's Mm. priceless. It's like the, it's like the world's most useful accountability coach, but they've paid you. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Oh, <laughs> I love it. the way you frame that. That is so true. And I mean, I've been one of those people where I'm like, oh, only three people signed up. And I think it's because, you know, we look at people like like yourself with the money boot camp and think, oh, well, she has thousands of people and I only had three. But what we don't see is all the time, you know, the work that you had to put in to get to that point. I mean, to know that it didn't just happen overnight. And so it's this unfair comparison that I think we have to our peers where we don't see the behind the scenes of the same types of struggles that, you know, they had to go, go through to get to that point. So I know, I know my numbers, right. It was one, then it was five and then it was 22. And then it was like 42 and Um, and it was because I was doing all the other things, you know, let's talk about the work that goes behind that. Right. I decided in 2009, I was going to send a newsletter out every single week without fail. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have anyone on my list, but I was, I remember just thinking thousands of people are waiting for this newsletter. They're waiting and they're relying on me to send it out. And so I would send it out as if there were thousands of people and that's how you grow your newsletter list, right? Is by creating that regular content. Right. And um, I never had like a viral moment where I had something go crazy on a blog post or whatever. It was because I made that commitment every single week. And I didn't always feel like it. I didn't always know what I was going to write about, but I decided to do it. And then however many years later, what are we, 13 years later, I still do that every single week. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's what then gives you the audience to you know, for your next launch. But I see people do nothing because they're too scared. No one's going to read this or they get one unsubscribe from their newsletter and then they're like, oh, I'm terrible. No one wants to hear from me. And they derail it. And it's like, well, you've got to meet the universe halfway, right? To those people to find you. And if you just make that commitment and don't take it personally, no matter what, it's going to go out. That's that's the work. And then Absolutely. It, yeah, I feel like, a lot of people, um, 
will say like, I'm waiting for the right time or the perfect time. And it's like, they're waiting to get to a certain level of success, maybe to start doing some of those action steps when the opposite is true. Like, you know, by you sending out that newsletter, like you were stepping into the version of yourself that already had a, a huge email list, you were embodying her. And so you, you then created it, you attracted it. And I think that, you know, that's what we need to do in every area of our life is step into that person. And I know in showpreneur, you talk about, uh, like, what does a wealthy woman look like? And like, look in the mirror and tell yourself, this is what a wealthy woman looks like. That was, I've never heard of anyone describing it that way before, but I was like, wow, I've never thought that I could be described as a wealthy woman the way I am right now. You know, we have this image in our mind from movies and TV and it's like, no, I can embody her right now. And by embodying her right now, that's going to allow me to take the action steps that I need to get to that point. And so it's like, you don't wait for the perfect moment. You just take action now and step into her now. and, And then you're creating that you're basically creating that reality by embodying that version. Exactly, because you are on the journey, mm-hmm. you know, and I think we think sometimes we're just going to win the lottery and we're suddenly this different person and we're, we're not, we're on the journey now. I look back at some of those newsletters and content that I created in my first year. I'm like, that was really good. So I actually just re-record them every like two years. <laughs> you do have just- really good content, by the way, like, you know how it's most people will send newsletters or email and you just delete it? Like I get so excited when I see yours because I'm like, it's always good and you always provide so much value. So you do a very good job at that, just so you know. But, but that's the thing. I'm not any smarter than I was when I started. I'm literally saying the same stuff. I just made the commitment that I was going going to do it. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not any more organized. I'm not, you know, and that's the thing. You have to accept who you are now because that's the person who's, on the journey with you the whole time and that mirror work that I talk about of this is what a wealthy woman looks like you have to do it do that all the time not just when you're looking and feeling good you have to do it on your days when you're not looking and feeling good because we all have these internal rules about what we have to do and be to be deserving of that money and you want to hear what those that little voice has to say because you might say this is what a wealthy woman looks like and that little voice goes Maybe if you lost 10 pounds, right? And you go, no, I'm allowed to be wealthy now. Right. I am what a wealthy woman looks like. And you can use your own qualifier there too. You could be, this is what a wealthy single mom looks like. This is what a wealthy um, black woman looks like. This is what a wealthy queer woman looks like. And the more specific you can be, the more valuable it is for that little voice to go, no, it's all right for other people, but not for you. And it's an acclimatization and repetition because especially if you don't have any role models that you see, you know, in social media, it's like, you have to be like, oh yeah, that, that could look like me. And then it's like, well, that it can be me. Oh, that is me. Oh, I act in that way. Oh, it is me. And it's, it can take a little while for you to feel okay with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I love the way that you describe it because I've always had 
this vision, you know, of what a wealthy woman looks like. And I think it's, you know, you, you find a couple of people maybe in your industry or people that you sort of looked up to and, and I've just had that vision. And then, you know, you're kind of talking about your laid back style and, um, how you don't prefer going to like a super fancy restaurant and stuff. And I'm like, that's totally me. And that's okay. Like you don't have to have those things to qualify to be wealthy. Um, and it's just nice to look at that in a completely different perspective. And, you know, um, this is kind of like off the subject, but I have to tell you, so you totally inspired this where I started thinking about it when we read get rich, lucky bitch, and you're talking about these incremental upgrades, which really was nice. It's like you take these little upgrades and it's kind of like improving your self-worth as you're doing it. You're feeling more confident and so one of the upgrades I wanted to take was hiring a cleaning person to come and, and help around the house. Cause I have three kids, a two-year-old, a one-year-old it's hectic. Um, and I didn't end up hiring someone, but then in chillpreneur, it came up again where you were like, okay, if you're going to hire for your business, sometimes it doesn't have to be for your business. Sometimes it can be for your household. And that's going to free up your time and energy to put in your business. And it was like the light bulb moment. And I was like, that's what I really need. Like, maybe I don't need to hire someone specifically for this thing on my business that I like doing, but I can hire someone to clean the house because that's constantly a distraction for me. I, I want the house to be clean before I sit down to do my work. So I finally hired someone and all it took was that little redirect that like, no, this is actually going to help me. It's going to help with my business. And so thank you for that. That was like my incremental upgrade that I just made like a week ago. Well, that's huge. And I also realized how much I was taking advice from um, single men or mm -hmm. men who had people in their life to do those things for them. No offense, men who are listening, but I just, I realized they don't always understand the mental load of, of doing those things. And I'm the same. I love doing most things in my business. And if I had to really cut down my staff, like, thank God I don't, I'd be happy to do everything. But laundry for me, for example, was something that was very pain, like painful for me because I would start to, first of all, I would forget, I'd put stuff in the wash machine and forget about it and it would get all stinky. Or I would start to think what's the most efficient way to do this what's the most efficient way to dry stuff okay we need to buy a different hanger we need a whole system and I would expend so much energy into trying to think of the perfect way to hack that mm -hmm. which was such a waste of my creativity because the laundry's done cool didn't grow my business didn't right. make me any money and so for me I'm so such a passionate advocate for spending money at home before your business or really what is you, you just look at what's taking up your energy and your time and what's non-income producing um, because for me that was definitely laundry and cleaning and then now I actually outsource all the cooking as well because um, I don't really enjoy it I'm not particularly mm -hmm. good at it and it drains my energy and so I had to get over the uh, guilt um, I had to get over a bit of shaming, even from my own mother, you know. Yes. Was, you Let's know, talk like, about oh, that. <laughs> right. She'd, she'd be like, poor Mark. And I'm like, no, not poor Mark. He 
yeah, like he benefits from this too. And yeah. and let's face it, like I'm the breadwinner, even though Mark is in the business, I'm like this, everything, all this abundance that we have has come from my creativity and all of those things drain my creativity. But still it's, it's not, people don't like it. People do no. not like hearing. And I think <laughs> I was so happy to hear you talk about this because I don't feel like a lot of people do talk about it. And maybe that is because a lot of the business books around entrepreneurship are written by men. But I mean, that is something that I have dealt with for the past, you know, 12 plus years, especially in the corporate world where I was working with a bunch of um, men and, and, and a lot of them were married and, and had kids, but they didn't have that same guilt that you were just talking about that I had, you know, I had the mom guilt of leaving my kids, number one, but then you have the guilt of not being there to get stuff done around the house, not be, you know, not getting the grocery shopping done on time. And like all these other things that I just noticed, like they were never worried about. So I always felt like I had this extra burden on my shoulders. And, um, one of the other things was there was like this weird, like badge of honor for the person that worked the most hours. And, you know, they didn't have to worry about going and picking up their kids. Their wife did that. Their wife cooked. And I always was like the first, the last one to get there and the first one to leave. Cause I had to go pick up my daughter and there, it really like started impacting my confidence. And now I just laugh. Cause I'm like, oh my gosh, it's, it's so foolish that I, I was worried about that. Like now I'm all about working smarter, not harder and finding ways to make things easier and to find the things I enjoy and I'm good at and focus on those and outsource the rest. So it's pretty amazing the shift that took place, but it took many years. And I think that's kind of how our society it's, it's shifting, but there's still a lot of that there that people don't recognize the mom guilt, just the yeah, guilt the around that women guilt. carry. Yes, absolutely. And even sometimes the shaming from women to women, you know, I, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm really honest and I'll talk about it a lot but I've had a couple of friends who have spoken about it in circles that are not so open-minded and they have been shamed like crazy over it. And I think there's a couple of things that we have to acknowledge. One, you know, there can, there is the privilege conversation, you know, and I, I have people who are single moms. They say, I don't have resources. So what do I do? And I go, hun, like do what you can with what you've got right now. And if you've only got a certain amount of hours to spend in your business, then focus on income producing activities so you can get help as quickly yeah. as you can. Because let's acknowledge the fact that advice is usually, well, just get up, get up earlier and do it before your kids wake up. No, we, we are also sleep deprived. That's yes. not the answer. The answer is get some income in, outsource as quickly as you can, because then you can grow that. Mm -hmm. um, the other privilege conversation, it's funny that housework is seen as selfless and beautiful when you do it for yourself, but somehow shameful and exploitative when you pay someone else to do it for you. And I think there is a conversation there of making sure that we are good employers as well mm -hmm. and making sure that we pay fairly, we pay well, we're flexible, all of those things. And so with um, a lot of my team that I have at home, if they're with me for a little while, I usually put them on salary and they have unlimited time off. As in, if you're sick, you don't have to stress, yeah. like don't mm -hmm. come to work. You'll still get paid because I noticed too that, you know, women, they had to, they had to come because they, you know, they needed the money. And so I was like, 
dude, it's not good for either of us if you're coming up sick. And you want to have flexible hours, have flexible hours. And so I think we have to just make sure that we're not then creating, you know, exploitation for other people. We're fair and we're, you know, we're good employers because that's when we have that ripple effect of abundance to say, I will pay you, I will pay you fairly, I will make sure that your life is is good and taken care of too, so then we can create this abundance together. Yeah, well, and I think it is, there is sort of this, um, where people might look down at you for hiring help. And I I was sort of that way, I, you know, when I had my um, two youngest children, I hired someone to start uh, maintaining the pool because I didn't want to be around the chemicals while I was pregnant and breastfeeding and all that other stuff. And so anyhow, one of our neighbors has, has a company and he does that. And I hired him and I, you know, I did have that in the back of my mind. Like, who am I? Like, it's not enough that I have this nice pool, but now I have to pay someone else to do it. And I just felt kind of like almost icky about it. And that's when COVID hit. And I remember one day he was, he was over cleaning the pool and I went out and I was talking to him and he said, you know what? I just, you have no idea how grateful I am for this job because my other job was cut and this is the only money I have coming in right now. And I'm so grateful. And, you know, I thought, wow, it's like, you know, you, you actually are providing someone with a job. Like, why are we looking at it as like this, this bad thing, as long as you were paying fairly and treating that person with respect. Um, I don't know why we look down upon it so much, but that girl that came over the other day that I, um, am hiring to clean the house. She, when she went to leave, she said, I really, I I really want you to hire me. I really love this house. I love the energy. I love the way it feels. I just want to like hang out here. And she seemed just as excited about it as I was. And so I think we need to like shift that perception that we're taking advantage of people or that it's, you know, who am I to hire someone when, you know, this is their business. This is how they make money too. And now, you know, she has another client and that's helping her business. So we need to look at it in a more positive light. Well, my mom cleaned houses when I was growing up because it was, you know, flexible. And um, I think too, there's something there. I'm trying to teach my kids to be really respectful and to um, to know that money doesn't make you better than anyone else, doesn't make you worse than anyone else. It's just, it is what it is. And so I to go on to the cleaning thing still, like things like um, use the toilet brush after you go to the toilet because no one should be having to scrub that for you. Yes. You know, and Ah. so be respectful, like put your toys away because that's not someone's job to clean up after you, Mm -hmm. you know, like um, be, be respectful. And, you know, even when we go to hotels, I'm always like, we're cleaning this place before. I do too. (laughs) Yes. Because I don't want them to ever think, and, you know, and I've done that job. You have 15 minutes to clean a a hotel room, by the way. And so I, I say to them, like, we're not putting rubbish everywhere. We put rubbish in one bin because someone has to bend over and pick that up. Like we're not leaving soap in the shower. We put, we take everything out because that's someone's job and it's hard work to do yes. that. And I know my kids are growing up so much more privileged than I was, but I don't want them to ever think that they, are, they can just have someone, you know, they can just be horrible to someone basically. Right. And there's, I think there's something there for me about I had to learn to step into that wealthy role and to say, 
you know, like I want to be that um, wealthy, I don't know, I, I didn't even have anyone in my mind around it, but like that lady of the manor, but who is down to earth and she cares about everyone because they're all working together as a team. And I, I mean, my, I have a lady who walks my dogs and I'm like, she's part of my success team mm -hmm. because she takes something, she helps me have a little bit less friction in my day. Yeah. You know, my, my amazing housekeeper, she create she helps me be the best that I can be. And we're a team together. Um, and it's just, it's a really difficult conversation because I just think there's just so much conditioning we have that we have to be everything to everyone. And I'm cool outsourcing stuff. It's so great too, by the way, because um, I have a, a part-time nanny too. And just to be able to text her and say, oh, while you're at the shops today, can you pick up some extra underwear for my three-year-old? You know, just all of those things that we have to hold in our head all the time. And I've always said to every person who's in my housekeeper role, I said, like, you're the mum of the house. Like, you, you can choose. Because they'll say, what do you want to do? And I go, I can't even, I don't even have the bandwidth for that. If you mm -hmm. see something, you know, you've got a card that's linked to our bank account, just solve the problems like you would in your own house with your own family. And I trust you. And just come and go as you please. And it's just easy and I'm so grateful that I have the abundance to be able to spread that. And as I said, I would happily do everything in my business myself. But, oh, man, going to the shops and picking up light bulbs, I, I just, I, it's beyond me. It's not my zone of genius. Right. Well, and oh you're God. making their lives better, too, because they have a job that they probably love. I mean, I'm sure they love, like, working with someone like you. And I think you are a good role model for me and for every female entrepreneur of like what a wealthy woman looks like that is generous, that is kind, that doesn't look down upon people that, you know, is super down to earth. I think you do a really good job of that. And it's something that we all need to see because it's like, and it's interesting too. It's like, if you look at um, a guy who is a, a business owner and they, they hire help, it's like, well, of course, of course they're going to hire help. He, he doesn't have time to clean or, or do this or that, but then, you know, when a, when a woman does it, there is all this guilt. So I feel like, I don't know, in reading your books, I feel like it almost like gave me permission that no, I can ask for help and I can get support and it can be wherever I, I want it to be. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a VA for my um, business. It could be, you know, cleaning or whatever. And, you know, you had mentioned earlier how you're the breadwinner of your family. And I wanted to ask you about that because I feel like this is a question that I get all the time of, uh, from women that are like, how do I get my spouse on board with my, my, my business and believing in me and, and being okay with maybe being out earned, but like the, the mm. wife making more than the husband. Cause I mean, I do think that that can cause some resentment and I'm just curious if you've experienced that or how you would tell them to handle that. It, it's been such a long journey for us. Mark and I've been together since we were really young. Um, he was 19 when we were, when we were together, I was 23. So I'm four years older than him. And so we've always kind of been the place where we're kind of, um, you know, we're similarly educated. We had, similar kind of paid corporate jobs. And what was really interesting about that was when I decided to become an entrepreneur, 
Um, and of course, I, I, I was earning less for a little bit because I went into the nonprofit world. So I had some more time to do my side hustle. Then I went part time and then I started my business and the dynamic shifted. And it was really interesting. Suddenly he was like, oh, can you pick up my dry cleaning for me? And I was like, I'm at work. Like, but I'm just, you know, I'm working right. from home and he'd be like, oh, can you do this? And I was like, go on your lunch break. Like, like other people do. Like I'm, and so it, I, there was a lot of um, reminding him what it was for. Cause I said to him, give me six months of no expectation um, for starting my business. And we, were, we didn't have kids, you know, we lived very cheaply. Um, but even like month two, he'd be like, oh, maybe you should just like get a part-time job. And I was like, no, 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 you promised like six months of nothing, no expectation. And having to just shift his mindset around stuff like that. And so then when my business started making really good money, I remember saying, dude, this is just not working for me that you have to, you know, be beholden to someone else's agenda. Like I make more than your boss now. Yeah. And yet he's the one saying you can't go on holidays. You can't do this. And he was working in the sports industry. So he had to like be there on game day, mm. you know, and I remember yeah. us trying to time like our next baby like when's a good time so you're not in like game mode (laughs) you know when's the championship what if you guys get to the thing I was like when am I gonna have the baby when's grand final ridiculous and um so I remember like at that half a million mark saying when's gonna be enough for you to like you know try something of your own and he's like oh when you get to a million in revenue and I was like I'm there okay fine do it so I got to the million in revenue and he was still like, yeah, but what if it's a fluke? <laughs> oh yeah. Those limiting like, beliefs, right? <laughs> yes. It's not predictable. And I was like, yeah, cool. But why not give it a try? And so I, I really had to say to him, like, you made that promise to me. So give me a year of, and I didn't say, come and join me. He, he did his own consulting business for about a year. After that year, and he kind of got a couple of clients, whatever, our accountant said to him, have you ever considered working in Denise's business? And I was like, oh, I have never thought about this. What an interesting <laughs> idea. But it had to come from outside. Mm-hmm. And I sat down and I had a really honest conversation. I said, what is holding you back from this? And he said, what am I going to tell people that I do at parties? and it it came down to that and he heard himself saying it and he said honestly I just think what am I going to say when we go to a barbecue and people say what do you do because he was so used to saying I work in football like you know I work for this sport like sports thing and people go oh what an interesting job and he was like I'm going to say what I work for my wife and he's like I can hear myself saying it but it's still it's still there and um and we went, let's just give it a go. And of course, the rewards have been amazing. The fact that we've been able to build, um, you know, our house here at the beach from scratch, we've been able to renovate a beautiful farm property. We've been able to travel. We can support my mom, his mom. If we want his family to come over, we can just pay for it. Like the rewards are huge, but it still came down to that masculine conditioning for them that they're stuck in of what do you do for a living? And he now he's just like oh yeah I work for my wife and it's cool 
but it was a really tricky journey. And I had to realize too, that I'm doing the work all the time and I'm surrounded by all these amazing examples of entrepreneurship. He doesn't see it. So of course he doesn't believe it. Right. It's, yeah, he needed to come into that paradigm too. And so I remember in the first year, he would ask me all these questions and I'm like, dude, you need to just join a group too. Mm-hmm. So you can see, you know, you can have peers and see those examples, which is part of the law of attraction stuff, right? When you can see it, you can believe it for yourself. And right. it, all he knew was corporate world. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't be just the source of that for him. So I was like, you need to join groups too. And you need to see what's possible. And then he ran with it. You know, he absolutely is an incredible resource in our business, but it didn't just happen overnight. I had to be like, this is where we're going. This is my vision for our life. You're on the train or you're off the train, but I am, this is where I'm going. It's your choice, but I want flexibility. I want freedom. So at some point I was like, I'll just go on holidays without you do, because I do have flexibility. <laughs> yeah. No, I think so that's like, great. Declaring, declaring what you want and you know, not being afraid to, um, to voice that and to bring that up. And it's like, when you think about it though, what we're doing, it still is fairly new, this whole world of like online entrepreneurship. And so, yeah, there might be people at barbecues that think that's weird or ask questions about it, but it's like, it's also really cool that we get to like lead that example. We get to show people, you know, and I have found that a lot of the people that I worried about in the beginning, um, like a lot of my old coworkers that I thought would think like, well, what are you doing? Like, what's the law of attraction? Like, this is so weird. They're actually the ones that are like, wow, like this is really cool. I want to learn more. And I spent so much time worrying about them judging me when they're like my biggest fans. They're like, this is so great. I'm so happy for you. Like, I want to learn all about it. So it's just interesting that our mind can make it seem so much worse than it actually is you know that's been our experience too there was only one ever person that said something um and it was it was the husband of one of my friends actually said to mark at a barbecue oh how's denise's business going and mark was like really great actually and he went some people will buy any old shit won't they and mark was like wow you know but most people when he was telling you know he was leaving the corporate world they just sort of went i wish i could do that I yeah. wish I could spend more time with my family or have more flexibility. And, you know, definitely over the last couple of years where people have been able to do their work more remotely or they've had to shift and pivot, a lot of those excuses are gone now. You know, mm-hmm. even Mark's dad now has a fully remote job. Yeah. So he came and stayed with us for a month and he could still do his work and play with his grandchildren. And so I think people are just waking up to the, there is more possibilities. And if you can, like, why not go for it? Um, But, you know, the fact there is that power dynamic sometimes that we have to deal with because he came in with some, you know, ideas from his job. And sometimes I have to be like, I'm the boss. Like I, Mm -hmm. I'm the one who holds this space of this company. And so I, I make the final decision. And that was, that was awkward sometimes for sure. Yeah. Well, and I think even with um, employees and people that you bring on, just really staying true to yourself and speaking up and having the final say in, in what you want in your business and not settling, you know, just because someone else says something. Um, okay. So Denise, tell us about your new book. I, I want to know when is it coming out? What can we expect? Yes. Cause we're definitely going to be putting this in the book club. 
Yes, perfect. So as I said, it's an updated version of Chillpreneur. And this is a total law of attraction thing. When it first came out um, a couple of years ago, I really disliked the cover. I really, and I was really trying to fight my publisher on it. And eventually I just went, you know what? I'm just going to leave it up to the universe. Universe, just take care of that sometime in the future for me. And it is absolutely unheard of for this to happen. That um, last year they contacted me and said, look, we'd love you to do a new edition of Chillpreneur because the world's changed. We want some case studies in there. And, and I said, yes, but the cover we have to do a new cover and this time it has to be what I want and they said yeah that's fine but then they said we never liked the name Chillpreneur so can you come up with a new name and I went no problem it's totally fine so I can't believe that I got an opportunity to um, upgrade the book you know which is just such a never happens in the publishing world so what's different is um, a ton of case studies so a lot of people would say to me, we love Chillpreneur, but it doesn't work in my industry mm-hmm. or how does it work for my industry? So I was able to put a lot of those things in there and answer a lot of the questions that I'd been getting for the last couple of years. If people have bought Chillpreneur to incentivize them to buy the new book, we've done a ton of pre-order bonuses, including meditations and visualizations and lots of tools and things that I use in my business. Um, so all of those pre-order bonuses, by the way, are at denisedt.com slash prosper. Okay. And if you I will haven't link that for the- everyone too in the oh, show notes. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Slash prosper. And it's Kindle paperback, and there will be an audible coming out closer to launch date, which is um, mid-January, uh, mid, mid-July, sorry, mid-July. Okay. And, um, and we're doing a live book club as well. So it's, oh, it's definitely okay. worth pre-ordering, nice. even if you've read the previous yes. one, because you get all the all the cool stuff in it uh-huh. as well. Um, so yeah, it was just honestly just a law of attraction thing where sometimes you just have to l- let it go to the universe and just mm-hmm. say, okay, that's fine. I'm just going to put it in my diary that one day we'll do a cover that I actually really, really love. And I, lo- I do love the new cover. Oh, <laughs> good. I always loved the book, but I just never liked the cover. So I'm, um, I'm thrilled and I'm thrilled for people too if they haven't you know, read any of my books to jump in because it is really about creating that business that works for you and your personality. So it's a real mix of practical stuff and mindset stuff too. Okay. I'm so excited. And I probably will get the audible version too, because I love your voice. Like I love, I've been listening to the podcast as well, and it's just, you have a really good um, voice. So I think I'll probably do both. I'll get the the actual book and then we'll do the audible as well. Um, okay. Well, a lot of people tell me they do that because they like to be able to take notes. Yes. So they'll too. listen to it. Yeah. Listen to it in their car or whatever, and then they can have yeah. the, the stuff to um, do. And there's, um, there's a lot of scripts in the book too, about, you know, what to say if people ask to pick your brain, for example, and that's all stuff in the bonuses too, that you can just, you can copy and paste it and, you know, add your own thing on there. So you don't even have to, you know, listen to it and write it down. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that'll be, that'll be great. I'm so excited for this. Um, where can everyone find you besides getting your book? Would you, do yeah, you have any so other I'm, websites? Yes. I'm so easy to find. So Denise DT is com is my website and that's my social handle everywhere too at Denise DT. I love hearing from people. I love when people send me their ahas from any of my stuff. So feel free always to hit me up on social media at Denise DT everywhere. 
and yeah, I, I just really hope people enjoy the book and and that it inspires them to take action. That's the that's the best thing. If you know, even just you telling me that you hired someone to help you in your house, I know the ripple effect that that's going to have in your business as well as you know, I love the keyless life chapter. That's my favorite. Um, I love all the marketing stuff that I put in there because I just want people to know it's not about doing everything perfectly. Sometimes it's a little shift that will make such a big difference to make everything else easier. Absolutely. And that is one thing I will say about um, both books that I've read so far is um, it's not just little shifts in like the things in your life. It's little shifts in your self-worth. And you really do improve throughout the book and how you, in your confidence and how you show up. And um, so I really just recommend that everybody read both of those for that reason, because we can all use a little, a little boost and improvement in um, the way that we're viewing ourselves. So Denise, thank you so much for your time. I'm so excited that we got to talk and I really appreciate you. And I hope to do this again uh, when your next book comes out in the future. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Stephanie. And thank you for everyone listening. I really appreciate it. And yeah, chill and prosper is that's what we can all do. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, Denise.